Blog Talk Radio.
Congo Square, of Armstrong Park, of, of the Municipal Auditorium, and all that we continue to fight for, to go to battle for in these coming days, coming months, but indeed showing great reverence and honor to those ancestors that laid this foundation of Hoodoo, Obia, that I now follow and adhere to, as well as many others throughout our listening audience and indeed our community. We acknowledge the ethnic groups of the Yoruba and the Akan and the Fon and the Airway and the Igbo and the Hausa and the many other ethnic groups that I just don't have time now to remember to mention who laid the foundation that we now pour libation on, that we now dance and chant and sing and pray and show great reverence for, and indeed has become a global, international landmark of history and culture and tradition, representing a great legacy laid down by our ancestors in this region of the world. And indeed, Congo Square and Treme and Armstrong Park is a part of our legacy, but it is a part of the city of New Orleans' legacy, and indeed that of America, and particularly black America, the first black free community in America, the first free black suburb in America, the first free black neighborhood in America. And so why would we not show reverence? Why would we not show honor? Why would we not give thanks? And indeed, as our beloved uh, Denise Augustine shares with us, she'll be here with us Friday. I think she said Friday, if not Friday, Monday, uh, our sacred stories, indeed our sacred stories. And I'm grateful for the shared sacred space that we create here at high noon U.S. Central Standard Time. Both myself and my cousins, today my beloved Otan, Ifa Tomiwa is with me, and of course those who are with us in our listening audience, my beloved cousin Lakitia and my mom, Evans and Savage, who drops through every now and again, and my sister Wapani, and and my nephew, uh, Chef Pink, and the many others who pass through this shared crossroads, this shared sacred space that we create, choose to create here each and every day at high noon for people of like mind and like spirit who indeed are invested in a new day where we have other systems, other institutions that we can stand on, that we can indeed build. Um, so I welcome you, uh, beloved Armand and Grace Oton. Thank you for being with me. Uh, all praise due to my cousin, uh, Oloye, wherever he might be working in the trenches right now. We certainly do um, miss him, but hope to see him continue to move uh, his elay forward. So come on in, beloved. I certainly appreciate you. Oton. Okay, I'm sorry. I had an issue. Oh, it's unmuting my mic. I get it. Um, family, watching, listening. It's a blessing always to be here. Um, greetings and blessings, especially Mother Savage. Um, I'm not sure if she's watching. Um, or not, but either way, um, I look forward to today's conversation. This should definitely be interesting. 
life for everyone, not just as far as hopefully diving deep for yourself, but also to feel encouraged. Um, I know everyone isn't at a place where they can share, but if you would like, please make sure you're calling in um, on StreamYard or you connect here or even in the audience on YouTube so Divine can pull you up on the panel. We want to hear from you connect with you. Because it's not always about what we have to say. What we have and what we bring is what we are getting from you, from our community, from the people that we talk to, that we deal with, that we have that we grow with, that we learn with. So in essence, we need your participation as well, because none of this is possible without you. So I definitely look forward to hearing from you today. Please increase your participation. Um, I love to hear the conversations, even the ones that may not necessarily agree. Um, it is still your opinion, so valid. And uh, we want to hear it. So, again, it's a blessing to be here. I look forward to this conversation and for everyone just growing, and hopefully it, it resonates with, with someone today. I say, I say. And indeed, I'm always grateful for my listenership. Uh, of course, those on Blog Talk Radio can listen, but they can also use the chat feature uh, associated with the uh, Blog Talk Radio page. And, of course, they can always call in to 845-277-9143. And as my cousin just um, so eloquently stated, um, we certainly appreciate those of you who listen in from your workplace or at home or while you're going about your activities um, throughout social media. We're we're indeed grateful. Uh, But we provide this space, more importantly, for uh, addressing your questions, your concerns, addressing your comments, giving us all a shared platform of demonstration of the various aspects of ATR, whether it be an EFI practitioner or a voodoo practitioner or a root worker or a conjure practitioner, and, and to provide a space where we can mutually share our experiences here uh, in love and, and indeed in, in respect. Um, as you all know, my schedule is overwhelming. I indeed could be, and, and probably should be, somewhere else uh, right about now. Um, you know, it's noon. I haven't even eaten today um, at all. <laughs> okay. And then I've got to, you know, get this show done, and then I'm getting right back into the trenches, um, as it were, in our uh, continued battle, our continued fight with uh, the mayor, uh, Ken Trail and the city of New Orleans as it relates to um, our Save Our Soul Coalition and our uh, strong and successful fight to not only keep City Hall out of Armstrong Park, out of Treme, for that matter, but to also be present and at the table as it relates to how the municipal auditorium building and or property will be used moving forward. Uh, I appreciate those of you who showed up to the Zoom on yesterday evening. Um, I appreciate those of you who participated and, and viewed us by way of my live stream on my Facebook page um, at 5.45, 6 p.m. on yesterday. I will be live streaming again today from Craig School. Save Our Soul Coalition will uh, follow COVID protocols at the community engagement session. So we're really only allowing about 30 people um, 
into the actual physical space. Um, and of course, those who indeed wish to tell their story, share their uh, opinion, give their advice as to how we should move forward um, and, and want to do so, you know, in the flesh, they're absolutely welcome to be in that number. But we also are encouraging you to uh, join us by way of the Zoom link that can be found on my Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Divine Prince Ty Emeka. I will be streaming again uh, tonight. I'll probably start somewhere between 5.45 and 6 p.m. Uh, we want to give people in the room an opportunity to settle in, uh, account for technical difficulties. We had a few, uh, not on my end, of course, but uh, in terms of the equipment that we were utilizing uh, for the Zoom, we had some issues um, with that last night. Some of you saw that, witnessed that. Um, so between 5.45 and, and 6 o'clock p.m., U.S. Central Standard Time, we invite you all to be with us, be present with us, and to um, contribute your opinion. You can do so by way of chat, um, and we will read your chat uh, right into the actual meeting space itself. Um, and, of course, you can join the Zoom meeting, and there's a, a moderator who will be addressing questions and concerns um, in that space um, as well. But we invite everyone uh, to our local New Orleanians, as well as those who have a love for, a respect for the tradition, the culture, the history, the legacy that is the land uh, that sits beneath Armstrong Park and Municipal Auditorium, and indeed Congo Square. And 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 one more point that I must make, because I'm realizing some of you, especially those of you who aren't necessarily local, uh, but have visited, don't understand. The brick, the stone masonry that you see in Congo Square now is only 50% of the original Congo Square footprint. So the ground that literally sits underneath the municipal auditorium and, and many of the present structures is indeed sacred ground, is indeed Congo Square, and we are preserving what remains therefore, and we are self-determinant um, as to how it's going to be utilized um, moving forward. So I'm grateful, and I invite you to join me again tonight. Um, we're asking locals to come around 5.30 so y'all can get into place, but we'll be streaming uh, right around 5.45, 6 p.m. again today, and we invite you all's participation. Um, thank you so much, Oloye, uh, for being with us, beloved. I know what it's like to have an overwhelming schedule. So I'm grateful for your being present. Uh, please take care of yourself. Uh, I know what it's like to have an overwhelming schedule. I'm grateful for your being present. Uh, please take care of yourself. I'm getting feedback. I'm hearing my own voice coming back at me. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, but, um, yeah, take care of yourself, beloved. You know, run your school, run your ministry, run your elay, but you got to take care of yourself. Uh, I have another relative. I'm not going to call her name out because she's not here in the chat. But uh, on my mother's side of the family, you know, COVID vaccinated, you know, but put her guard down, you know, and, and now we're in a gray area. And she's, you know, 10 days isolation, you know, the whole nine works, uh, the whole work, the whole nine yards I met. Um, she's got family, 
as many of you do, she's got children, as many of you do, other folks living in the house, you know, so we've got to be extra careful. The numbers that I heard today suggest that we're right now in a, in a gray area, much akin to March of 2020. So remember what we were doing in March 2020 in this space, on this show, delivery and, and covering up and, and, and extra hand, hand sanitizer and, and whatnot. If you're not doing that right now, you're slipping. And many people have slipped, unfortunately. And so there's a new terminology. Maybe Otan knows that word for people who have been vaccinated, but somehow they're, they're being exposed to the – okay, maybe you don't know the word. I thought maybe you would. One of y'all do. I, I, out of the four of us, somebody going to remember that word, but they have a name for it. For people, breakthrough, uh, is it breakthrough cases is what they're calling it? For people who have been vaccinated but are still somehow contracting, you that know. Sounds familiar. That sounds like, yeah. Yeah. I've heard that term. And I don't necessarily uh, question that premise. I do question the premise that somehow this suggests that it's something wrong with the vaccine. I personally have much more, listen to what I'm about to say, y'all, because it's going to sound crazy. I have more trust in the, in the COVID-19 than I do in humans. That's my problem. Now, I can understand the science. I can understand, you know, CDC. I can understand, you know, common sense when it relates to germs and healthcare and, and, and taking care of yourself, but, but, you can't trust um, someone looking at you in your face and saying, I've been vaccinated. You just can't. You can't trust someone looking in your face and not saying anything one way or the other. <laughs> you know, and we have a small group of people in pop culture who are now calling themselves uh, uh, vaccine adjacent. They haven't actually got the vaccine. But they want to align themselves with people who've gotten the vaccine, and, they, and they're referring themselves as vaccine adjacent. So we got to be real careful. We got to be real careful. I know that was a terrible introduction going into passing you the mic, Oloye, but it was on the tip of my tongue in the moment, so I had to, I had to spit it out. But are you okay? How are you? I'm well, man. I'm blessed. Yeah, I'm handling business, handling, uh, you know, working with people that 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 uh, are in need of um, blessings and teaching and all of the above. So, you know, I'm grateful. Um, I believe today is a day of Oya and Shango. So, I leave you with this Riki, <clears throat> with this with this uh, prayer. Oya Ojo, Baokobu, Opolemo, Barabara, Atete Iku, Abeshan, Wobite, Kosumon, Ekupulele, Sembe Igi, Iletun, Ileanam, Okiki Abdo, Okeso Edun, Idan Obeman, Tiko, Ida, Oya Iji, Teche, I bajo bajo, a paquete boquete a Says, Spirit of the 
the wind back courageously with her husband. She puts matter is, matters into uh, order suddenly, the wind of death. Mother of nine shatters the evil mound of earth. Strong wind demolishes the tree by the family door. Rumor in the clouds hurls down a stone axe. Courageous woman, armed forever with a sword. Spirit of the wind, tornado, sets the leaves of the trees in motion. She kills suddenly, she enters suddenly. Ah, shit. So may Oyah be bled, uh, blowing things away from you. May, he be, may she be blowing illness and sickness, disease, uh, any loss, any litigation, any enemies, anything that is not in your best interest or in the best interest of your, your family. May she be blowing all negativity away and then blessing you with the beauties of life. So today, you know, let us always, you know, enter into our divine relationship with spirit, especially during the time that we're back with the, the, um, uh, the COVID kind of rising up with numbers yet again. Make sure that you remain safe. Make sure that you keep in check with uh, your, your eating right, whatever vitamins you take between CMOS, uh, between um, uh, elderberry, uh, with the uh, zinc, with um, you know, vitamin C, the vitamin D plus, um, a good multivitamin, all those things. And what Shamafi is saying as well, make sure that you are remaining very clean and washing your hands uh, a lot and, and you know, doing all those things to make sure that you're, you're keeping your health in order and your strength up. So, you know, I greet everybody. But she said, greetings to you all. And I, 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 I pray for long life and all good things for each and every one of you. So please excuse me. My energy is a little bit kind of down and scattered. I, I've been working all morning teaching some classes to some youth uh, in, in a summer camp. And, uh, but it's great because, you know, we're, we're at least sharing the traditions and sharing the arts and sharing these things with the next generations to come. And I hope that all of us uh, see the importance and the need to now elevate our next uh, generation so that they can move forward and keep alive the work that we're, work, that we're trying to fulfill now. So uh, blessings to everybody. And make sure you hydrate. Now, it's, it's almost 100 degrees in New Orleans. Senior. Okay, I was going to say, I don't know what the weather is where you all are, but okay, mm-hmm. so now it's, we're seeing a commonality here, Oloye, with our energy, the weather similarity. Yeah, it's a lot. And you have to hydrate the day before. You can't hydrate the same day. Understand, if, if you know you're going to be out in the heat tomorrow, for instance, y'all know y'all going to the amusement park, y'all going to the beach, you need to be hydrating today going into tomorrow. You can't just rush all that water into your body last minute or at the very moment of and, and expect to sort of be hydrated to the level that you need to be uh, in this kind of uh, oppressive heat that we're experiencing um, here. Uh, if it's not um, in Virginia, it's coming, Oton. Uh, Neophyte Bokor 
if it's here, it's already been through Texas. So I, I know you, and I can tell by the rays coming through your window <laughs> and, the, and the shades. Uh, yeah, we we in the cooker right now. And this is another um, tenuous season for the city of New Orleans as well because it, you know, it picks up tropical depressions and um, hurricane activity, uh, the power going in and out. Um, sometimes it's a bit like a third world country and, and we lose power. Certain areas uh, of the city lose power. And it's not just New Orleans, not just Louisiana. In fact, there was a power outage, I believe it was yesterday morning, that stretched as far north as Arkansas and it's dipped as far south as, as Texas. And it wasn't a, you know, a, a blanket power outage. It, it was almost, you know, skipping neighborhoods, skipping communities. So it was a patchwork of communities that went, you know, a few hours without electricity um, yesterday in this heat. So I'm always grateful to have power. You know, it, it, it's in the winter and in the summer when you show your most gratitude for your electricity, uh, when you have to deal with the elements. You know, um, you know that you can't just sort of coast through in the spring or in in the fall. It get hot in New Orleans, y'all. It get humid, uh, like a, a sauna, <laughs> if you will. Yeah, so we need our AC. Uh, I saw an argument on Twitter yesterday or, or the other day about um, regions of the world who still don't air condition is not a commonality. It even took me back in mind to our past, you know, our ancestors who existed in this deep southern heat, this uh, desert, uh, you know, western U.S. heat, um, and had no A.C., you know. Now, we do realize with global warming, things are probably a, a bit warmer now than maybe they were then, but just imagine surviving this with no with no AC. Um, Oloye, um, it is indeed your topic that I wanted to pull from today. And as always, when I see, you know, topics and show subjects, you know, my mind and my imagination can go in so many different uh, directions. So I did want to give you an opportunity, if you will, to sort of speak to it First, why we hide our trauma inside religion, um, and then we'll open the mic. Well, again, I greet everybody. And over the years of working uh, in in this priesthood and working in mental health, uh, I've worked in mental health uh, for about 20 years in different capacities, and. Throughout life and even coming into the tradition, of course, growing up in church and going and also have, you know, being part of the, the mosque and, and, and all of that, Islam, one of, uh, one of the major things that I've, I've noticed is that many people who have gone through so many difficulties and challenges in different aspects of their life, they come to whatever particular theological perspective and belief that they choose to study and practice, 
with a significant amount of trauma that they have not dealt with appropriately. And in that, what I've noticed is that a lot of people, they then begin to mask a lot of the trauma, a lot of the challenges, a lot of what they have not worked on, and try to overwhelm that with religion. You hear them all the time, you know, praise this, thank, thank you, that, this, that, and the other thing. But truly in their own life, they are going through these battles and these challenges and all kinds of ups and downs. I recently remember a pastor who is in, uh, I believe, Virginia, and he set off waves within the theological uh, community, the, the Christian community, because he chose to take some time for himself and go on a self-given sabbatical, where that sabbatical was to allow him to get his mental health in order, as well as his physical side and different things, getting back into communion and, and, and balance. And a lot of the, the, the pastors and preachers on both ends had very interesting interactions about it. One, many people were very, very uh, happy that he, he thought in all of that to take some time and that it also allowed them to see the importance of taking some time to get their mental health and get their stuff in order. This is coming from pastors and, and, and ministers. And it's important, even especially for those of us that are doing spiritual work for others, that we have to make sure our health and our mental health, especially that we're talking about, is in divine order. And when we need to take a step back a little bit, to not be ashamed to take a step back. When we have to communicate with somebody because things are not feeling right, that we don't look and devalue professional people because maybe others you feel are going to look at you differently or badly because you chose to take the time to work on your mental health and put that in order. And so the topic in this was coming from a, a wide variety of sources or, or perspectives in my mind. One, for those who practice, who are just living everyday life but chose to practice these traditions, not, not uh, hiding or masking what, again, you, as you can call it shadow work, all of that, those, those things that you need to work on, don't hide them behind the veil of thank God, praise God, this, that, and the other thing, but to be, uh, have, show wisdom for yourself and take the moment for yourself to work on those aspects of your life that will bring the healing that you come into these traditions for. And then lastly, if you're working as a spiritual leader, as a, I guess they call it light worker and a lot of the different names that are being used, 
then make sure that you are in alignment and you are balanced uh, uh, with your mental health. Because we have a tendency also to take on some of the, the struggles and challenges and things from those people who are coming to us uh, uh, for, for work to be done to help them. So that's a little bit about what was in my thought process when that, that uh, um, subject came up and came into mind. So, um, Otun, uh, uh, you might want to uh, chime in. Um, yes. Oh, also, I want to make sure I uh, send my greetings to my little Prince Abar at the Bayou La Sona and Olavis Apoyeniyalo Day at the Nisi Ola Sona. As far as the subject at hand, I will also say when it comes to uh, the hiding of our trauma inside of religion, in essence, when you look at um, uh, most, um, I guess you could say, religious communities, uh, for lack of a better word, um, a lot of the times you are going to come across people within that community who may show or display some unsavory behaviors or habits. Um, in essence, it, it should not be surprising um, because that's where you're supposed to be, where that's where a person is generally supposed to be in whatever spiritual house or that they, that they practice or study under with the intent of improving or making whatever changes necessary to walk in the path um, in accordance to, you know, whatever they are subscribed to or whatever uh, spirituality uh, system that they follow. The, the, the issue sometimes of a struggle uh, may come where sometimes it's not understood that it's not just being in that place. It's not about attendance and showing up to this location only. It's also about being willing to actually take a look at the system, the principles in which that system stands, what if any of those principles they hopefully should resonate with you because this is something that you basically signed up for, and actually begin to look at that, their own daily habits and things and actions and, and work on making the changes necessary or getting the information needed or the tools to make the changes necessary to embody that very thing in which they subscribe to. Um, and a lot of the times that's easier said than done because it requires not just doing the work, it requires first and foremost acceptance, looking in the mirror and saying, hey, this is who I am. Not just the good, but the ugly as well. And being able to stand in acceptance of that which doesn't look so good and say, okay, this is what it is now. However, this is what I'm willing to do, even if it's small steps, because bit by bit, again, as we said before, this is a marathon, not a sprint. So it's just that willingness being able to do the work. And oftentimes we may meet or come into contact with people who um, have still stalled, in essence, on actually doing that work um, 100% wholeheartedly uh, with the intent of change 
upbringing and being willing to, to face that ugly and press, even when it seems that things are looking shaky or, or feeling or looking a little uncertain. So we run into times when they connect with people that are right in the midst of that uh, meantime, so to speak, and where they're still trying to figure things out and, and get things within their, their habits and their personality adjusted to be able to walk in accordance to what is set before them and their destiny. And that oftentimes can, can cause us a bit of pain, so we run into issues. Um, and in that moment, that's where the hiding is, because they're willing to say, okay, they may get comfortable in that spot or in, the, in this certain level and say, okay, you know, I'm with you. I don't want to do this, because the next level requires digging even deeper, and there's that thing that I don't think about that I don't talk about. So it, it just basically depends on, you know, the people. Each person is different. Some people can fight and grow through it. Some people require assistance. Some people need to take a little bit more time because they got to repeat those cycles until they get those lessons down. So it, we just have to remember um, that no matter who we're dealing with and what level they are in their healing, in their uh, shadow work, if you, uh, if you will, that you be mindful to give them that grace, to give them that grace and that space to grow from where they are in that moment to where they can be. Does that mean that there may be a person that you remain in contact with during that time? No. But in essence of not throwing out people away, just sometimes things are presented so we are in a mind frame of being aware of what's before us so we know how to move in those situations, how to deceive those people, and how to let them be and leave them where they are so that they may continue to grow and, and work within themselves to hopefully come out of that hiding place. Because that's where a lot of the times, the, the majority of the time, that we find that hiding it is within ourselves because there is an area that we are uh, not wanting or willing yet to move into to make certain adjustments because of, you know, past trauma or pain or, or things that we may be or feel afraid that we'll, we may not have the Strength or, or the truth to do so. So, with that, uh, and then I want to come to you, Neophyte. Um, sometimes we think because a person is wearing a particular title or a level that they have addressed many of the traumas that are within their lives, only at a later point to come out and find some of the actions that they have been doing are truly, of course, not in alignment with just them as a spiritual leader, but not even in alignment as a good person. You know, you're finding more and more people who are uh, these pastors and ministers, and especially in, sorry, but the Catholic Church, and all that has been hidden with these children being raped and molested and all of these things, but yet they, they, they cover their people and, and they're out, it's like they're outside of the law. But let, let's talk about that later. But what is your thoughts about those people who are supposed to be spiritual leaders who have not even approached their own trauma but trying to lead others out of theirs? That's a tough one, I think, because I'm a pretty hard critic when it comes to spiritual leaders. Mainly because I, I, I always come in contact with 
uh, gynecology, uh, dentistry, uh, you know, uh, mental health, those things have now been um, converted into technical sciences that adhere to a, a, a sort of an unspoken religion of Western culture, which has sought to separate nature from science to some degree, has sought to separate spiritual, you know, practice from religion, you know, to some degree. And, and, and for me, that's where the confusion came in. Uh, early on in my journey, I had to really relearn words and my understanding of the words, my understanding of even the tools, you know, how old were you when you heard of the Apocrypha? How old were you when you heard of the Book of Enoch? How old were you? You know, because we know that wasn't taught in school, public or private, secular or, or <laughs> you know, or, or non-secular. That was not taught. And often we're introduced to that through these ethno-cultural religious systems, particularly in our, you know, black and brown communities. You know, through the through the Hebrew Israelites, through some of the uh, other non-traditional Christian groups like like the uh, Rastafarians, you know, have really brought in a great deal of information that otherwise would not be accessible to us. I also want to say that um, on many fronts, um, and I don't want to cross topics, but we have a great deal of awareness of information now that our ancestors did not have that generations that existed even before us did not have. But we also have a great um, accessibility, many of us, to technology. And so technology gives us a sense of, um, can give us a sense of artificial or false empowerment, uh, false intellect. Um, we're all PhDs if, if, if we believe Google and Bing. Um, we're all experts you know, in, in, in everything because we can so readily Google it and seeing it and search it and, and, and pull it up on a device. You know, many of you have seen that TV commercial or that commercial because they play it on, uh, online as well uh, with the father who's helping his daughter do her homework and she's asking questions about uh, Mount Vesuvius and, and the destruction of Pompeii and he's talking to Alexa but he's whispering at Alexa as if Alexa was a real person. Now, now who's the smart, smart individual in this commercial, the father or the daughter? You know, but we as Americans, me and my mom talked about this the other day, um, have a false sense of, of intellectual superiority uh, to the rest of the world. And that's something that we have learned from, have appropriated from white supremacy. And living under this white supremacist, you know, white racist society that, that we've dealt with for over 500 some years. And so even those now who embrace, you know, the French tongue or, or the Germanic tongue or the Italian tongue or the English tongue, as, along with their religion, somehow now feel a sense of, of intellectual and spiritual superiority to the rest of the world based on what the West has made acceptable based on and, and acceptable by way of class, status quo, you know, m maintaining a, a certain clique order because, uh, you know, sort of 
falling back on some of the things that Neophyte Bokor said. Um, we all know wickedness exists within these religious institutions. We just choose to not see it, not address it. We, we, we allow denial, you know, to sort of kick in, and there is an exchange for that. And, and that exchange is how we see ourselves in the world. Sometimes it's, it's financial, get, getting access to certain jobs and to certain organizations, you know, because we go to the same church, you know, we, we grew up in the same, you know, sort of circle. And the idea of a separation of church and state, a separation of, you know, religion and politics, you know, it, it's just such a, a lie, you know, it, it, particularly in America, but, but I would say in any Western nation, you know. And, and so um, I would have to define first what the religion is. I think we can use uh, re- ethno-cultural religious traditions like Ifa uh, to bring about a healing that is not happening, you know, in the churches or, or in the mosque or, or even in synagogues. Um, yeah. yeah, even our sense of, um, you know, we've embraced a lot of tags, black people, I'm being specific now, that originally didn't belong to us. Uh, for example, black people don't swim or black people are most reluctant, you know, uh, about the doctor. And, of course, we point to Tuskegee, you know, we, and, and various other, you know, evils as, as reasoning, you know, indeed for that. But I don't see Republicans acting very differently right now, conservatives acting very differently right now. Uh, indeed, when you go into some of these less educated white communities, uh, you see a great deal of some of the very same sort of behaviors uh, being repeated, being, you know, duplicated. So just have, because we have this super highway of information, that's what they called it when I was in eighth grade. We were all anticipating the coming of the superhighway, this information superhighway. And, and now, just like many of you got road rage and aggressive driving behavior when you're on the highway, because listen, everybody with a car <laughs> and a driver's license don't necessarily deserve to be owning either. Okay, it doesn't automatically make you a master professional, uh, you know, operator of motor vehicle equipment. And so we've got this intellectual thing in Western cultures where we've grown up watching and, and, and wanting to emulate the behaviors of our oppressors about feeling like we are somehow the most intellectual, the most smart, the, you know, the most uh, uh, cultured, you know, people in the world. And, and we're finding out now, particularly in the midst of um, many crises that, that we're facing, climate change, quite crises around water, um, of course, pandemics, you know, and indeed an epidemic of ignorance. You know, we're dealing right now with an epidemic of ignorance. You know, so do, you, do you think that then with that, the way that I view what you just said is that in times we're giving the spiritual leaders too much of our own personal power because we're putting into them or looking at them as not just an example because now people are looking at them as uh, the desire to, to that these people 
are, are really the promised land in themselves, that everything that they say is, is uh, going to lead them to nirvana, that everything that they say is going to bring this healing, everything that they say is going to lead them to this, to this, this place of this harmonious relationship with God and, and all of this. And then when these spiritual leaders... That's why they supremacy, though. I, uh, I didn't mean to interrupt, but that's, that's why supremacy, though. Especially mm-hmm. in our case. But I don't know if it's just white supremacy, because in our own community, look how we're looking at these religious leaders and, and, and our, own, our own people. I'm, so su- we're looking- I'm suggesting that the colonizer came and showed up in your country and your land and said that, you're a heathen because you don't have bullets, which, is, which at that time was a form of technology. You don't have technology. You're a heathen. You, you, you're not wearing fine gold and silver. You're walking around butt-ass naked, you know, with your grasses on, you know. And so that idea that somehow we were lacking something, same message that's, that's pumped at us through uh, capitalist uh, TV commercials and magazine articles and and the idea that your child comes home and says, well, Johnny's got, you know, $500 gym suit shoes. Somehow I need them too. Now, mm-hmm. now, can you as the father, can we as the parents step in and say, well, that's not real value and reteach value? Absolutely. But generationally, we've been taught that somehow the value is on the other side of the fence. The grass is greener in the other yard. The grass is greener in Master's yard. The food tastes better in Massa's kitchen. You know, the food is, 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 is healthier in Massa's grocery store. You know, so that's why I keep going back to white supremacy at the root of religious ideas. Many of our religious ideals are rooted in white supremacy. And then, then Christianity was used as sort of the tool to sort of promote that. So that goes back to my question, how, how far back does that begin? When does white supremacist cultural practice really begin? You know, we say, well, Jesus was Middle Eastern, so was there white supremacy then? My ancestral memory goes back to Ramses III. Um, No religion. For those of you who are religion versus spirituality, they had magic. Hekka, no religion. But yet they were some of the most politically, culturally, class divisive times that we've known in history. So it's not necessarily, you know, who's doing it. The game has never changed. The players continue to change. And the act of depowering through a lack of knowledge of self, a lack of awareness of self, um, so that a handful or or certain family or certain elite group can grow and prosper and not do their work is why we continue to see religion being used uh, as a tool against us, as, as a weapon against us. Am I making sense or no? I, I can see what you're, what you're saying, but there has to come a time in our own, I guess, personal families that when we are going through our struggles, challenges, whatever you, you know, you, you decide to call it, that we're not looking at that particular pastor, minister, imam, whatever you want to call them, even Baba Lao, as the 
end all to the answer to my situations personally or within my family. Now, I might take Babalao out because when we go through and we do uh, the divination, a good Babalao is going to just be sharing the wisdom of whatever it is, whether it's Vudu, whether it's Ifa, whatever, you know, and, and it's just going to be coming around through the, the messages. And, and as far as I believe all of us are, are, are known, in those messages, those messages are going to speak pinpoint truth as to giving you the uh, opportunity to listen and to follow the prescription in order to move out of your situation. So a lot of it, I believe, also comes into the personal, you know, the personal, uh, uh, not just perspective, but personal discipline and obedience, uh, what it is that you decide to, to listen and adhere to, you know, and we've allowed that, we've allowed that to bring in significant illness. And when I say illness, of course, I'm not just talking about diabetes, high blood pressure or something. I'm talking about the illness of the relationship within ourselves, within our communities, within our families, within our community. All of that, to, my, to, to me, is illness. It's arun. It's illness. And it says that things are not balanced in the, in the way that we are dealing with relationships in all of, those, all of those areas. Thus then, when we deal with that, we, to me, we're hiding the, well, we're utilizing the religion. We're utilizing the religion to hide what we know is not right in our families and in our lives. And, and in doing that, we're, we're, we're then lifting up these people to the significant level of power that they ain't supposed to have in nobody's house. They're only supposed to be guiding you to a particular light, and that light is already within us. But many people dim their own light because they put man before the creator. Mm-hmm. Come on, O'Toole, where you at? Oh, okay, no, I was, you was on a roll. I was, I was agreeing to everything, and absolutely, um, it, you actually said a lot of what I was thinking and, and some of what uh, I was going to say was that we have to be mindful um, in dealing with, I'm not going to say all, pastors are bad. Um, I know a few that actually do the work and it's not about um, creating a system or a lifestyle of codependency. Mm-hmm. It's basically, as you said, um, uh, um, a means of guidance, a means of spiritual guidance to get that person to realize, you know, certain things for themselves, learn their lessons and do the work. Um, there are, unfortunately, in every religion, spiritual community, or what have you, those that are in the position of authority that unfortunately use their position for monetary gain, to take advantage of people in, in, uh, mentally, spiritually, physically, all kinds of things, uh, which, which again, leads me back 
for grace because we have to remember that the ministers, the pastors, the Babalawa, the Ayanifa, the Bokor, they are people. First and foremost, they're human. They have their own lessons to learn, their own walk to walk. Yes, they're in a position of authority, and in essence, they do hold the brunt of the responsibility because they are at a level to which they know better and have actually taken certain vows through various rituals and whatever they have gone through in their practices to not only attest to that, but to, in essence, I guess, where to uh, the lifestyle of living right to be about community and people and not about taking advantage in, in things of the negative nature. Unfortunately, we all know that and have seen that there are those in these uh, multiple communities that don't adhere to that, and that is unfortunate. There is good and bad in everything. We have to remember in our spiritual walk and dealing with these people that are in this position of authority, that they are people first and foremost. So they are not without reproach. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to not always take the right road. Sometimes it is unintentional and it is because of the things going on. Sometimes, again, like I said, there are those that look to take advantage and uh, will seek to have things always work in their favor at any one extent. And all of that is unfortunate. We have to remember that, uh, first and foremost, I, I'm I know there's a thing common sense isn't common. Um, we have to begin to work with this is why right here in this moment, this is why the work within ourselves is important. Because when we are so down and we are so in a place of brokenness that we are willing to allow not just our decisions but our mentality to be led by someone outside of ourselves who doesn't know what we're going through, who one has to deal with and, and grapple with the things that are going on within their own life and form, as well as being looked at as a leader. And now here is this other additional people who now, in essence, are willing to just be led around in a zombie-like state. They don't want to think for themselves. They want to be in such a relaxed state. They want to be at such a place of, I don't know what to do, or, or literally not, and that's part of, not, that, of a person not being willing to do the work. They just want to sit back, watch. And basically just say, okay, well, what do I do now? What do I do now? Should I go left? Should I go right? Should I put on the green socks? Should I put on the red socks? We have to get to a point within ourselves as we do our work, as we walk our walk, to start believing in ourselves and knowing that first and foremost, God is within us. So, or in Ifa, we say, uh, the Oli is that spark, that divine spark of Oli that everybody has, or even in Christianity, there is, uh, in, 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 in one of the verses where uh, Jesus is talking to the disciples and he's trying to explain to them and they're like, wow, you're doing all of this stuff. And I'm paraphrasing. And he's saying, everything that I can do, you can do. Because mm-hmm. it's within you. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, and, and, and like I said, it, it depends on whatever system you subscribe to. And it's not so much that I'm saying follow the Bible or certain things because we know uh, how it came to be, it was put, how it was put together. But even in the midst of that supremacy, even in the midst of trying to conceal certain things, you can still get lessons. You can still get truth. You can still, things that are meant to be negative, you can still pull the positive and pull the light out of it 
if you pay attention. So when people say everything that I can do, you can do, that right there resonates with so many different principles and connects right there with different spiritual systems because it's letting us all know that God is within us, meaning that we are also a part of that. So God is within us, that means we're a part of God. And once we begin to do that and start to look inward for the basic things of our lives, yes, things as far as spirituality we're going to need guidance for, we're not going to teach everyone how to teach to a certain level. But we have to understand that some of that work, some of those decisions have to come from within us. We have to be willing and bad people. You can't just be willing to relinquish all that we are to someone else and just go, oh, I'm going to follow blindly because at the end of the day, your actions are your own and we are responsible for them. So we mm-hmm. have to remember to always hold tight to that. So then to bring what, what Cousin said, what, what Divine said back, how much of it then from our own personal power was now rooted within the colonialism in the perspective of our belief because we allowed others to come into our own, I guess, traditions, our own way of practice of, of having the creator within us. Because we know from traditional spirituality, if we look at just the different definitions, the definition of Ifa says wisdom of nature. But we know that nature is not just the wind and the rain and the sun, but it is the nature that is truly within our divine beings. And the same thing when it comes to Vudun, Vudun means spirit. And spirit then is another word or definition for God. So nature, nature, God. Spirit in, 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 and God, they're all of the same thing. They're saying that is the divinity that is already within you. But now we have allowed colonizers to come in. And now the colonizers have forced or they, they, they physically fought, whatever you want to say, a belief perspective that totally goes against our own innate cultural perspective of spirituality, mm-hmm. thus then making our own spiritual traditions an enemy to our own people, thus not allowing us to enter into it for the healing that is in our DNA that gives us the divine healing that is already within us or the ability to heal that's already within us. What do you guys think? Yeah, I like to say uh, uh, B.C., before colonization, (laughs) A.D., after the death of the divine feminine. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's how I like to look at it. So we have to be real careful about um, you know, how the world view, the global view has been reshaped by white supremacy and all of its tentacles to include Christianity um, and to include uh, Islam. Let's remember now, Islam introduced slavery to the mother continent first, Islam. So when did this sense of supremacy begin? What is this sense of, you know, knowledge and wisdom being moved north of the Mediterranean began? What, what, what is the notion that, you know, in order to be found good and acceptable and, and, and civilized and, and upright in the world, somehow it has to be something that mirrors, you know, Eurocentric 
culture and society. And I agree, along with young um, blacking black, that religion is watered down stories, uh, indeed, of, of commit, and, and even stories that, you know, predate that. And so um, our, um, our view has been passed through a, a cipher, you know, that unfortunately is, it has been led by uh, enslavement, white supremacy, racism, you know, ethnic cleansing, you know, all the various things that, that we've seen go on in the world in the last 2,000 years. So I think, um, you know, we still seek to uh, placate certain aspects of ourselves and even our communities. Um, I'm very careful about using now uh, the Bible even as, you know, some sort of reference uh, because I, I feel like once you give it a little bit of truth, it validates for those who would give it, you know, full truth. Uh, it, it validates for them that truth. So I'm so very- Do you believe then that the spiritual leaders, like these big spiritual leaders that we're looking at all the time, like in Christianity, would you like view them as colonizers now because they are so, uh, I don't want to say rigid. I don't know if that's a proper word, but so, uh, I'll just say rigid on the particular thing of maybe the Christianity because they see now there's millions of these people are packing into these mega churches. These mega churches are like major corporations. And with different multifacets to it. The facet of the, the I, my message has to be better than last, last week's message because I need to make sure that I wow the people. And then I have to have this concert going on before the message comes with the lights and everything else, right? But then on this side, I need to make sure that this particular business aspect of the church I got to go out there and I need to be able to do lectures and different types of this, that, and the other thing. And then on the other side, I better build a merchant, uh, like a merchant uh, perspective where I have my books, I got shirts, I got the recording of each of the messages. I have all of these things, right? So now the church has become a mega uh, corporation that, that allows... And just like a martial arts school, I use this analogy all the time. In a martial arts school, you cannot rely on the black, the brown, and the green, and the purple belts. You have to rely on brand new white belts coming into your door every month because you know at a point in time that these guys are not going to maybe last up to black belt because the percentage is down on doing that just like the percentage of going into ministry at these churches is not at the highest level. So therefore you have to rely on new people and a new energy of the people coming in in order to make sure that that church is, is continuing its flowing motion. So do you then consider those that are preaching that gospel of the colonizers, even in our own community now, to be colonizers themselves. Absolutely. 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 
uh, you know, and you all have heard me say in this room before, make sure in your war against white supremacy that you remove the white supremacy out of your ass first. Make sure you get the racism out of you first, you know, and, and sometimes we think it is, you know, well, I've got brown skin, I've got black skin, so I can't possibly be uh, projecting racist behavior or repeating racist behavior or, or, or even racist programming in some, some way. Um, even when I think about materialism, what we really have the degree of materialism and capitalism that, that exists in the world today had it had not been for the organized religions of Islam and Christianity. And to some degree, Judaism. Would this degree of materialism even exist? So that we would have competing, uh, um, what is prosperity ministry? So that we would have competing, you know, well, we get on two radio channels, we own three radio channels, and we own, you know, TV. Well, we own TV and we own radio, but we own cable, you know, too. Um, the idea that we have to pay rent, mortgage, water bill, a gas bill, air conditioning bill in relation to, quote, unquote, religion, also keeps that capitalist material energy present in what would otherwise be sacred space. You know, that's one of the uh, ideas or concepts that have come up in relation to Congo Square and Municipal Auditorium. Let's be clear, Municipal Auditorium was put up to give uh, uh, Rex Ball and other white organizations a place to have their Mardi Gras event literally on the footprint of Congo Square. Some of us would, hey, tear the building down. Don't, Don't rehab it. Tear it down. Return it to green space. Return it to nature. Put some fruit trees out there. You know, put a put a, 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 a active uh, garden, learning garden there where kids can learn where their food comes from and, and how to grow herbs and corn and, and, and various, you know, meal. You know, why isn't that how we view religion and spirituality? And it transcends Christianity. You know, we don't like to pick at Ifa and voodoo, but wickedness transcends religion, transcends mm-hmm. ethnicity, transcends geographic location. We can go to India and find some, some crookedness going on with some practitioners. We can go to Africa to find some crookedness going on. But again, we have to consider history of the planet, of the, of the globe, and mass moves of migrations of colonizers and, and um, uh, what are our religious folk missionaries, you know, bringing a, their view, but otherwise a foreign concept of life, living, value. You know, that colonel had a great deal of value to us. And, and for many of us, it still do, <laughs> you know. I'd rather you give me a bag of fresh cola nut than, than a $20 bill, you know, especially if it's fresh. So I think we've got to um, do an even deeper degree of deprogramming and reprogramming our consciousness. We can continue to move forward in knowledge and technology and, and wisdom and education and understanding, but we've got to go back 
somehow to a more uh, natural indigenous way of viewing our relationship with the planet and in each other and Mother Earth to really restore what we could otherwise be losing um, forever. Mm-hmm. Well, I also want to say that with um, I, all of that is absolutely necessary. Um, but as far as um, us, our community, and the trauma, I was not saying uh, to clarify that um, I was pointing to the Bible. I did not want to credit or discredit the Bible and essence of spirituality. I wanted to basically look at um, in the essence of us coming together. Because truth be told, the way to heal in the trauma, you know, us, uh, certain people in our community or different religious sections hiding um, the, within the trauma in that space of what they're supposed to be growing in and, and learning in also comes to that point of disconnectivity of us as a community, as a people. So when I mentioned that, my goal, and in speaking to people of different spiritual systems, my goal is to always find that commonality, to find that connection in which we can get to that common ground and then build from there, form a connection. Because at the end of the day, to, in essence, end the hiding of the trauma within the religion, we're going to have to come together. We're going to have to set aside the my, my perspective right, yours is wrong, it shouldn't be this, it shouldn't be that, it's this, that, yours is wrong, mine is right, because at the end of the day, we are going to have to basically come to a point of agreeing to disagree. We are going to need to learn to accept people's lifestyles and who and what they choose to, to worship or how they choose to worship in the spirit of, of community, of coming together, because at the end of the day, we are not going to be able to rise until we can learn how to work together. The damage was done over time, over a long extended period of time, and it wasn't just in one area. The attack happened from multiple directions on multiple levels. So we're going to try to move to heal, not just first and foremost within ourselves, but once we begin to do that, we can then get to a point of understanding that as we each heal at different rates, what we can try to do then, in the essence of reconnecting with each other and within the community, is to find those different points of commonality. If we start to look as we discuss, as we turn things over, as we dive deep, we will find different levels and at different points we can find common ground and we can connect. Once we do that, we can begin to work on the trauma, not just individually, but as a community. Because we are, we, we are at a point where it's not just doubt within ourselves, it's doubt of each other. It's a mistrust of each other within the community. And I don't mean it's something that's, what I'm talking about, it's automatic. It is automatic, and we need to start working to, to, to lighten and to reverse that. If I can add to that, I look at it like drug addiction. Because we seem to think that if we can isolate, if we can get rid of all the white people, if we can somehow you know, create a, a nation state in the middle of America. I look at it a lot like drug addiction. We have to be willing and able to get free, even with it in our faith. You know, you can't get every liquor store in town to shut down just to help you maintain your sobriety. And, and we can't get rid of every dope boy and every 
dope spot and every drug house, you know, off the map, just to keep you sober today. You know, you've got to be willing to, to stay sober, even though you know it's a liquor store two blocks down the street. You know, you, you still choose that degree of sobriety. But I think we keep looking for some some sort of support outside of ourselves to sort of maintain these community gardens, to maintain these elates, to maintain these these voodoo houses, uh, to, to maintain our, our our culture and our tradition and our our practice. Uh, someone asked earlier on about state uh, goat rider. If 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 the state sponsored, you know, when I think about um, places like Osogbo, places like Haiti, uh, places like uh, India, where uh, a form of state sponsorship might be viewed through the eye of tourism, and so they're willing to bring tourists in to see and to share and to experience, you know, and 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 then you're still battling over the might of the dollar. Who has the, the most money um, to, to build housing, to build, you know, food for these people, you know, to eat, you know, et cetera, et cetera, as opposed to better shoring up the economic structures that already exist within our community. Um, you know, we, 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 whether you call it up under the table or, or uh, vendors, Status, but we we need better foundational um, sure up to the economic systems that already exist within our communities, within our religious communities, within our church communities, within our spiritual communities, and even when you think of your your sage, where are you buying that? Your incense, where are you buying that? Your your white fabric, where are you buying that? You know, and, and often when we think about museums, some of the ideas that are being tossed around uh, here in, in Congo Square, a museum, you know, uh, of some sort. Who often holds the, the, the deeds to the land? Who often holds the mortgage on the building? Who often, you know, controls the contracts for the, the clean, everything from the cleaning, you know, to the food service? It's often outside of our community. And we're often much more willing to support what's prepackaged, pre-manufactured, mass-produced. That's why y'all love Walmart so much and your big box stores so much, because you believe you're getting a lower price, you know, in, in these facilities, you know, whereas we're actually paying a much higher price in terms of how it's affecting our community, how it's affecting our, our businesses in our, in our own communities, and how it's affecting our environment, you know, nature, you know, the water, the land. So we've got to free our minds. We've got to repatriate our minds first. We've got to find a way to, to, to say that it's acceptable to return to traditional indigenous or, or, or Ifa or Khan or voodoo traditions without necessarily feeling like we have to separate ourselves from our community here in the States, without feeling like we need to abandon our community to, to get our own act right, to get our own, you know, spiritual progress on. And, and that is going to continue to be a problem. And we like to look at 
the communities of, you know, our Asian communities, uh, <coughs> our Latin and Hispanic communities, and assume that somehow they're better organized than we are, that they're better interlinked than we are. But, but, the, but the reality is they share a common goal, common goals that they aren't willing to waver on, that they aren't willing to take money for, you know, and we've got to get to that same place of doing. So, yeah, we're in competition with the prosperity ministries and the wealthier-looking uh, alternative, you know, to ATR, you know. But this generation and, and particularly this group of people now, we, we can change that. We have the opportunity to change that. I'm interested. I was going to say, I'm interested to know what the next generation says. Like, Bokor, what is the next generation's perspective about about this subject? Uh, um, I can't speak for all of us, but I can share an observation. Uh, from my observation, it seems like the, the knife that is in our back is our addiction to modern convenience. Yeah. Which, in my, from my personal opinion, modern convenience seems like it's that same speed bump where we're trying to figure out where did it, where did it, where did it start? Where did it come in and be introduced to the religion, to the culture, to the, to the, to the spirituality? Like where, where did it come head on with that wall. I believe that the addiction to modern convenience, being able to microwave something, much like your information, being able to get little snippets of sound bites, is what we're addicted to that keeps us from being able to practice the full-on ritual. Ritual is not something that is quick and easy. It's something that's long, drawn out, tedious, time-consuming. But that's the whole purpose of the ritual practice. But in this generation, my generation, I guess you could say, is more addicted to things. Your sound went out. Yeah, we can't hear you. Neophyte, your sound went out. We can't hear you. We can't hear you. Okay, Otun, what was you going to say? Come on, Otun. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Okay, I, okay, I think now he realizes that we couldn't hear him. We can't okay. hear you. We can't hear you. Okay, I'm not sure what's going on. We can't hear him. Um, I'm sorry. Um. Ooh, yes. Discombobulated my combobulator. All right, I'm back now. So um, I just was wanting to chime in saying that that's basically where, um, in in response or or to add on to what you were saying about this generation and about um, the connectivity and and removing, I guess, working on removing the the stigma or taboo, if you will, around um, different uh, forms of ATR. And I think where I will use myself, for example, um, as I stated before, I grew up 
in the Christian church. My mother's a minister. She's an elder in her church. My sister is is full pastor of her church. Um, my mother being around me, seeing my focus, how serious I am about Eva, the way that I live my life, she has me being willing to stand through, you know, initially the, you know, remarks from, you know, back and forth and things like that, um, to get to a point to where she has been around me, she's willing to listen, we have to discuss certain things, and she's gotten to the point to where she's actually willing to hear about Ifa, its concept, what it's based off of, what the beliefs are, and what she has even said to me is that now she has come to a place where, although it's not her cup of tea, we have an understanding, and she sees that I have a spiritual life, I have a connection with God, which is, which was her most highest, highest wish for me and for my life. No, it's not in the past, the same path and the same manner in which she goes about it, but she knows that my connection is real. She knows my dedication is real. And I, I use that to say that it, with, with finding that commonality, with not just uh, this generation, but the elders as well, because they have a lot to say and their words carry the majority of the weight. Yes, the next generation is who's going to move us forward. But when we look at the structure of religious systems, period, the elders carry the weight. So from my mother to be able to get to a point just through observing me, having different conversations, some conversations difficult, some funny, some, you know, just different conversations over the course of time. We could not get to this position overnight. I, I, I looked into what I started in ESA in uh, 2016. So this wasn't a relationship or the, the, the connection that we have as far as spirituality and her understanding of my walk did not happen overnight. There were tense moments. There were disagreements. But it was my willingness to stand. Us having that commonality. Our communities being able to find that interconnection where we have those common grounds, and especially with being able to get not just the attention but the ear of the elders, and not forcing but allowing them to observe by you walk by each of us walking our walk and letting the lifestyle and that in which we subscribe to shine through our actions and how we raise our children, how we deal with our families, how we deal with our significant others, things of that nature. So once we can do that, that's where the healing is going to come because there, that then is now going to be lessening the so-called taboo or the stigma around the different ACR as it becomes to be commonplace, as it becomes to be the norm and not looked at as something to be demonic or evil or negative, that then is going to also encourage the youth because it's going to be not just about them striking out on their own and doing their own thing and researching for their own. All of that should continue because that's a wonderful question and everything God eats for you. But having also that other side, that eldership, to where now that stigma is removed, that pressure is removed, that will also encourage younger generations to come in and teach that routine before Christianity and Islam the root of it all. So for me, I think, in my opinion, that that will allow that form, that form of connectivity would allow that bridge 
so we know we can all bring it all in and there will be more coming in to go deeper, to go further back to practice the indigenous spiritual uh, systems because now that stigma, that pressure, you know, that angst will be removed from the, the conversation of it. But it, it, it will take time. Go ahead, Neil, sorry. Welcome, cousins. That's terribly sorry about that. I was overheating and I'm getting phone calls from uh, the shippers that's telling me that my I was right in the middle of trying to give my opinion, my observation of the fact that our generation of millennials and younger are dealing with being addicted to modern conveniences. Some of the same things that our ancestors went to war, they literally fought wars over the modern conveniences that the church brought with their companies that were tied to these different nations that were trying to colonize everywhere. They would bring in their their bullets and, and weaponry and they'd bring in their 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 alcohols and then they'll bring in um, just different things that they barter and trade for and, and face their whole I guess you would call it their uh, their uh, revolutions around and their their renaissance around all of the modern conveniences that were brought by their renaissance at their time. They brought those things in, and that was the thing that different countries in Africa fought tooth and nail over to a point where they figured that okay, this is a, a detriment to us that we got to stop being addicted to these things. Now, in the 21st century, we're repeating that same addiction to these different technologies. Mind you, it's not the same types, but being able to prove and, and also educate yourself allows you to, uh, again, like I was talking about, give you this sense of entitlement, sense of uh, higher education. And now you have to go on this this pilgrimage of proving everybody wrong. No, not exactly how that works. I'm going on a tangent, um, trying to make sure that I get this out before my phone dies. But it, it's repeating itself and at more of an expedient pace. It's speeding up, getting faster and faster. All this technology at, at, a, at a scary pace. And we're holding on. We're like the coattail of technology wave with our kind of wavering faith blowing in the background. And we're holding on to that, trying to drag it along and make sure that it doesn't get lost behind. This is the, the mindset, the attitude of most of this new generation now. They're realizing that, oh, what was being taught back then can save us now, but how do we use it? And it just contributes to more and more of the confusion. My analogy is of the aspirin pill. Everybody loves, no, not Everybody uses your modern-day bare aspirin, not realizing that essentially that's the bark of the willow tree. Plain as simple. 
make a tea out of it, does the same thing as the tablet. But the tablet is convenient. Being able to pop that one pill to be able to solve all your problems is, for some reason, gratifying. It's easier than going through the trouble of breaking down the bugs, pounding out the, uh, the herbs out of it, and extracting the juices from it so that you can make a tea. That's not so convenient, and it, and it takes up too much time. I personally believe that our need to be able to have more time at our uh, disposal keeps us from being able to actually fully embrace needing the healing. We we need to take back control of our own personal time instead of lending it out to everything that we think is important. I know your job is important. I, I I'm my own business myself. I drive a public operator. Time is everything to me. Time is money to me. But that downtime that is my own is just as important as the time that I put behind this wheel and get these wheels rolling. The same thing applies to your spirituality. The amount of time that you put into spirituality determines what you can harvest from it, what you can cultivate from it, and how you can use that to benefit others that are going to heal, not just yourself. But because you're called to this uh, way of life to try to heal others, you still need to heal yourself in order to do that. That time still, that still translates to time to me. And uh, again, like I said, I'm going on a rant. <laughs> yeah, because I believe... Yeah, because I, I, yeah, I, I think you were asked, you know, generationally speaking, is that the overall sense of awareness that you have, or is, is that your sense that that's what your peer group understanding is? Because when I look I at TikTok uh, and Instagram, I'm not necessarily getting that message. Uh, I was on a, uh, I was in a discussion just yesterday about a very similar topic, and the same thing came up. Where are we putting our time? Where are we moving out our time? Why don't we have enough of our own personal time to be able to put into these things that we feel are important, which was getting back to uh, cultivating your spirituality. But, but here's the thing that gets me. Um, uh-huh. and, and again, I'm going to use TikTok as an example. I'm seeing right. the bar continuously being lowered in terms of what people are willing to do for attention, for likes. You know, um, many of you familiar with Iyana Van Zandt. She had a young man on there who wore diapers on TikTok and did all kind of craziness on TikTok. Um, he's still on TikTok, too, by the way. So I'm sure Yama is, is not happy about um, 
his his improvement. But um, we're definitely seeing, you know, people are willing to to um, trick their their spouse, you know, and to think they're having a fake affair conversation to get him angry, you know, to get likes or to get a laugh on TikTok. I'm looking at the expression on your face, Otan. You know, it's pranking. It is a popular thing on TikTok. It's pranking people and very dangerous pranks, um, I, I might add. One one guy had his girlfriend in a headlock, you know, while she faked one of those I'm chatting with my boyfriend calls. You know, and she was a little bitty thing. I mean, he could have snapped her neck literally, you know, in five seconds, and and it would have been a viral video gone wrong, and it would have been on your 5 o'clock news. But I'm seeing the, you know, what people are willing to do for attention, for life. Uh, The rambling I'm seeing on Twitter, J.P. Terrell, people just giving you their random thoughts about just, randomness, and not even important randomness, just random thoughts about randomness, you know, and it's still, again, to get more attention, to get more light. Um, but at the same time, you're seeing these, these younger and younger-aged people uh, winning spelling bees, getting their college uh, degrees, you know, their BAs and their masters before they graduate high school. Um, and particularly among black children, we're seeing some really um, high aptitude uh, intellectual children, you know, coming out of the, 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 the children born in the last 20 years, you know, or, or, or so. Um, so we're seeing, you know, this great spiritual and intellectual progression taking place while at the very same time um, people who do now have that more time on their hands, neophyte vocor, who who just don't know what to do with that. And our sense of um, entitlement, our, our sense of, you know, I can do what I want and make my own choices and make my own decisions and, you know, give them that much more space to be as um, unproductive as they want to for as long as they want to be, you know, and so, you know, I'm not sure what's happening with that, you know, um, in terms of our our usage and our usage of time. We're also seeing younger and younger people feeling like their life is somehow over uh, at 15, at 18, at 21. We're seeing, you know, suicide rates increasing at a much, much younger age. And so much younger people are feeling, you know, that their wives, their lives have no value, are, are worthless, um, or, or will never live up to some imagined goal and, and, are, and are coming to that, you know, conclusion at much younger age. You know, it's not the midlife crisis of old where you, you know, somewhere between 35 and 55, you start doing inventory of what have I done, you know, with my life, you know, with my time. And so, you know, when we think about some of these celebrity families and some of these uh, self-made overnight sensations and and millionaires, they also help to sort of feed a false sense of uh, what it takes to sort of grow 
and, and to and, and to become something, you know, in, in this world, in this indeed in this reality. And along with that, we now have this technology that's going to leave such a detailed accounting of many of our uh, applications of time. Um, I, I said this on the show uh, a few days back or a few shows back. What was your great great grandkids? Just use your imagination. What will they have to say about the amount of time that we are spending online right now and for what reason? Would they value what we are valuing right now? Hopefully in the dynamics of this show they would. But, you know, when I think about Instagram and TikTok, some of the stuff, you know, is really not going to hold up weight long term you know, in terms of best usage of our of our time, you know, in our energy. I really believe we are here with the purpose of life, humanity. We are here to regain our divinity. I, I, I certainly believe that, wholeheartedly believe that, and that we are fulfilling a, a spiritual mission, maybe even some extraterrestrial mission that we don't quite fully understand, you know, right now. Um, but I, it, it gives me a great deal of concern. You know, the thing that concerns me is that the next generation is actually seems to be moving away from spiritual practices. And so they have their own perspective on what is God or what is spirituality or what is in, in all of the veins. Um, we do see some that are, are are seeking their spirituality in very alternative directions. And so in our traditional uh, spiritual systems, especially out on the motherland, like anywhere else, Philippines, Filipino martial arts are dying because the generations coming up are not wanting to deal with the traditions of those martial arts. And I just use that as an example because now in, in, in Africa, in many different places, the traditional spiritual systems are, are halfway dying out because the generations that are coming up don't want to take the time and the effort to learn them and to keep them alive for you know, the generations to come. So many elders have made that transition and didn't have anybody that they left in the divine order of knowing all that needed to be known for, uh, for their particular lineage and for their particular tradition. That, in essence, kind of, uh, of I don't want to say it bothers me, but it, it, it makes me concerned that there's so much that's going to be lost. We say that every time that an elder makes this transition, we lose a library. So every time that one of these elders lose, not only are we losing a library, but we're losing, in essence, a divine spiritual practice that should be ours for the rest of time because it started off with, this, with not just this time, in all time from the birth of time. So within that, I hope that that our, our, our next generation sees that spirituality 
and the traumas and the struggles and all of that they're going through, not just to hide it within that, but to seek the appropriate attention that they need in order to go deeper in these traumas, to heal these traumas as best that they can. And then the, 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 the combination of your spiritual practice and your, your, your uh, professional like therapy type thing will now then bring a sense of total healing to the challenges and struggles. You're not just masking one with the other. We have to get out the habit of masking. Our generations previous masked mm-hmm. a tremendous amount because one, mental health was not nearly where it is today. They went through a form of mental health. They were trying to scare it out of people and burn it out of people and all kinds of other crazy stuff. At least today, we've had people in deep study of mental health and mental illness. And one thing that's very interesting is like even in the thing of how the behaviors are viewed, when we look at behavior of being viewed, a lot of times in our community, it is said from those outside of our community, not that this person's having a mental breakdown or a mental health issue, but that they're a thug, they're a this, they're a that. But yet people outside of our community, when they do the same stuff, are said, oh, he's having a mental breakdown, it was a mental health issue, it was this, it was that. You take that into the fact that we're talking about the defunding of the police and people's uh, uh, not understanding of what that means, of just redefining an allocation of the funds so that the cops are not entering into situations where they're walking in shooting rather than having people that have mental health uh, uh, professional training can come and then get a handle on a situation a situation rather than just shoot them and we have a dead person that had mental health trauma. We have to look at trauma in a serious way as we're looking at our divine spiritual practices and elevation of our spiritual consciousness and then bring them together in a way where then it facilitates a full realm, a full realm of healing and a full realm so I hope that 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 uh, make, made a little bit of sense anyway. Absolutely, and I certainly appreciate you and your contributions and your commitment uh, to the show, both you and um, Otan Ibatomiwa, my beloved cousins, and everyone who's sharing with us in audience uh, on Ball Talk Radio in the various social media um, pages. We certainly do appreciate do appreciate you, and we look forward to meeting you here again um, and continuing this show topic on Friday at high noon U.S. Central Standard Time. All is truly and indeed a blessing. Ashe, Ashe, Ashe. Thank you all. I appreciate it. Yep, get get yourself some rest because we're gonna be like up all night recording, right?
Yeah, I've got three hours to eat and get myself together and then go back to this uh, meeting tonight, Congo Square. Congo Square. The almost Indians. The Omus Indians prepared this place for us centuries before our arrival. A sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. The Omus Indians prepared this place for us centuries before our arrival. Congo Square, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. And as the colonizers came, our hosts, the Omus Indians, they pushed aside our hosts. The colonizers came and pushed aside our hosts and introduced us in chains. And by the late 1700s, we somehow, recognizing the sacredness of Les Places de Congo, we somehow, and the how of our somehow persuasive methodologies is not clear at this moment. The how is not clear. How our persuasive methodologies worked is not clear at this moment. But nevertheless, even as slaves, we crafted and created a space where we could be free to be we. And thusly, thusly we countered the sacrilegiousness of the French, giving great homage to our ancestors as well as giving praise and thanks to our red-blooded brothers and sisters. This is an oral libation toast to Congo Square, to Native Americans, to our ancestors who made a circle out of a square and gave us a way to stay ourselves, save ourselves from the transformatory ugliness of America, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life and celebrates death with crosses and crosses, double and triple crosses, the middle passage, the first cross, Christianity, the double cross, and capitalism, the ultimate triple coup de grace cross of our captivity. But the terror of crosses notwithstanding, we sang, we beat, we be, we was and is. Hail Congo Square. Congo, Congo Square. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated inside the beat of us. Inside the beat of us, our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated, retreated inside the beat of us until we are ready to release them into a world that we recreate, a world harrowed by the beat, be, beat, being, beating, being of black heart drums, heart beat, heart beat, heart 
be at this place, at this place, be heart, be, be, we, beating place in new world space, beating, being in place in new world, preserving our ancient pace, our dance is the God walk, our music the God talk. First thing we do, let's get together. Circle ourselves into community. No beginning, no end, connected together. And singing, ringing, singing in a ring. Second, let's be original, aboriginal. Be what we were before we became what we are. Be Bambula dance, be Banza music, and sing song words which have no English translation. Third, let us remember. Let us remember never to forget, even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. The bounce, the blood, flow, the feel, the spirit, grow, energy. Must retain and pass on the essential us-ness that others want to dissipate, whip out of us. But no matter, no matter how much of us they prohibit, no matter how much of us they prohibit, deep inside us is us. Deep inside us is us. Remains us inside and needs only the beat to set us free. The beat to free us. It is morning, a sun day, a feel, a feel without shade, but dark, dark with the people black of us in various, various, various shades, eclipsing the sun with our elegance. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember, to beat, to be. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us. To remember, to beat, to be, beat, Congo Square, be, Congo Square, beat, be. Beat, 
Remember, remember, 